your job as a salesperson is to not talk, but to listen. Don't try to show the person how smart you are. Don't try to show the person how, how impressive your product is. Build rapport, build a relationship. This is Outside Sales Talk, the best podcast for outside salespeople. I'm your host, Steve Benson, and we're here to chat with the world's top sales experts so that you can get their best sales tactics to level up your game. Welcome back to Outside Sales Talk. Today, we're going to talk about overcoming obstacles and leading in sales. We've got Adam Mendler with us. Welcome, Adam. Steve, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Absolutely. Um, by way of introduction, Adam is the CEO of the Velos Group, which is a company that has created and operates different businesses, including a, a technology consulting and software development practice, a, an office furniture company, and a cigar e-commerce site. So very, very diverse. Um, Adam also has his own podcast, 30-Minute Mentors. And between his podcast and his other interview series, Adam has conducted over 300 one-on-one -on -one interviews with leading CEOs, founders, athletes, celebrities, and influencers. He also teaches a graduate level course at UCLA, specifically on teamwork and leadership, and serves as chairman emeritus at the USC Alumni Entrepreneurs Network. That's quite a, uh, a resume, Adam. I'm really, really excited to hear uh, Hear a bit from you uh, to, to kick it off. I uh, tell me what are the five T's in sales, and why is utilizing each T important? Absolutely. And Steve, before I get to that, I want to just thank you for having me on this podcast. Thank your listeners for tuning into this podcast. I know a lot of uh, listeners might be on the road as they're tuning in, so hopefully, I'll do my best to uh, make the multitasking worthwhile. One of those great leaders who I've interviewed is Steve Benson. So it might be worth checking out that interview. That was a lot of amazing content. So I'm fired up to be here today. And uh, to your question, the five T's to winning in sales, I think this captures everything that anyone in the field of sales needs to understand. Number one is trust. Without trust, you can't even be in the game. Number two is tenacity. If you don't have tenacity, this is the wrong business for you. Number three is teamwork. And we can talk a little bit more about that, but salespeople might be portrayed as lone rangers, but the reality is that selling is a team game. And, um, and leadership, that's another area where we think of leaders as people who are in this alone, but in reality, what I talk a lot about is understanding your strengths, understanding your weaknesses, and surrounding yourself with people who can complement you. And in the world of sales, there's a great parallel there. The fourth T is touch. Sales is as much an art as it is a science. And salespeople need to have that personal touch away with people. And that's something that you can try to teach, but so much of it is innate. The fifth T is timing. We can teach, we can coach, we can practice, but at the end of the day, any one of us who is in this field, any one of us who has had any kind of experience in the world of sales can tell you that there's no replacement for good luck. Absolutely. And one of the one of the biggest factors I think of selling to a client is is building that trust that you're talking about. And from from your experience, what's a good rule of thumb to help develop that trust and that credibility if you're in sales? There are many, but a big one is be honest, be truthful. Your word is your bond. It sounds cheesy, but it's incredibly important. The minute you lose your credibility, the minute you lose the value of your word, you've lost it. Who wants to buy something from someone who they can't trust? And what easier way to lose trust than by telling a lie, by stretching the truth, by saying something that doesn't stand up? On the flip side, you can 
can build trust by continually telling the truth. You can build trust by saying something, having it stand up, saying something again, having it stand up again. If your word is your bond, live by your word and continue to say things that you mean and be able to stand behind them. In an article that I read written by you uh, um, in Forbes, you, you reference a story of when you cold called a CEO of a public company when he was in Tokyo. Can, it was a really great story. Could you, could you tell us that story and, uh, and what sales lessons that story taught you? Yeah, so I was actually um, working a job. It was uh, my first job out of business school. So after I got my MBA and before I was uh, an entrepreneur, so in a previous lifetime, I was working in the financial services industry. It was a very sales focused job. And my uh, bosses really wanted me to do a lot more cold calling than I was doing. I was focused a lot on networking and on relationship building. And I had a number of different strategies that were outside of the world of cold calling. And they really wanted me to more aggressively cold call. So I said, sure. And I had an intern, a great guy named Sam, who put this long list of people together for me to cold call. And um, I cold called, man, tons and tons and tons of people. This was years ago, so I can't remember exactly how many, but it was a long list. And almost everyone didn't answer. So I got, you know, tons of no responses. Um, the people who did respond largely told me, no, no, thank you, um, F no, uh, some variation of no. I did have one person memorably tell me, oh, I'm already a client of your firm. Uh, it's so nice to hear from you. I wish the people who actually serviced my account would have uh, called me instead of you trying to win over my business, which already belongs to the firm, to which I said, oh, oh shit, sorry. Um, <laughs> there may have actually been two of those now that I remember it. But uh, the one guy who did answer my call and was actually happy to talk to me was a really interesting guy, a major character. He was a, uh, at the time, CEO of a very well-known company. And this guy himself is a really well-known guy. And as it turned out, the number that my intern got was his cell phone number. And I called thinking it was gonna be his office. It turned out to be his cell phone number. The guy answered, he was on a, uh, a subway in Tokyo. And it, he, he said, it was probably 11 o'clock in the morning in Los Angeles and you know, middle of the night in Tokyo, if my hours are correct. Uh, but it was definitely middle of the night his time. He's like, hey man, I'm, it's the middle of the night my time. I'm on a subway. Uh, but you know, would, would this, this is great. You know, just, just call me back normal time. Uh, you know, be happy to talk to you. And I was, I was so taken aback that the guy was actually, you know, receptive to speaking to me. Um, and I just thought the guy was a real character and absolutely. Yes. And, um, you know, I just, from there developed a relationship with him and, um, there were a few lessons there. Lesson number one is cold calling is a numbers game. If you're not uh, already aware of that, I'm sure most listeners to this podcast have already been through the grind of cold calling, but it's a numbers game. There's no getting around it. Sales in general is a numbers game. You obviously want to take steps to try to optimize the probability of getting in front of the right people, but it, it is totally a numbers game. And when you do get to that one person, be ready, be prepared because you might have a list of hundreds of people, but there could be that one person who actually is willing to talk to you. And they might say, yes, they might, might be some kind of crazy circumstance. Like in this guy's case, he was on a subway in Tokyo in the middle of the night doing God knows what, if you guys knew who it was, you could probably guess. Um, and I, I was surprisingly prepared and from there developed a relationship with him and you know, that's a big takeaway. So always be prepared, always um, have a mindset that you never know where your next deal is going to come from. It could come from a stranger who you cold call. It could come from uh, the last person in your network who you would expect to bring a deal to you. 
but always be ready, always be on your toes. I'm a big baseball fan. And I can tell you that I don't know how many of your listeners are sports fans or Steve, I know you're a big Wisconsin guy. Um, so I'd rather not talk college football because I did my undergrad at USC and we haven't been very good at college football since I went there, but which is a while ago, but, uh, but I'm a big baseball fan. And, you know, if anyone who follows baseball could tell you that when you're in the field, you don't know when the ball is going to be hit to you. You have no idea when the ball is going to be hit to you. And the truth is you could be playing third base or you could be playing right field and maybe the ball will be hit to you three, four, five times an entire game, but you have to be on your toes every single pitch because the ball could be hit to you right then and there. And you've got to be ready. Very similar experience when it comes to sales. Absolutely. That was always something that annoyed me about playing baseball was I, the, having to focus all the time when nothing was actually happening. <laughs> um, I, I, played, uh, I, I played second base. So I had to always be super, those balls can come off the bat real fast to get, get to second base because it's not, not real far, right? So got to be on your toes, waiting. And, Steve, to your, to your point, it could be extremely frustrating for listeners out there who are grinding and grinding away. And whether it's, making cold calls to people who are not answering, whether it's making cold calls to people who are telling you no, telling you F no, telling you don't ever call me again, whether it's people who are selling and getting some kind of interest, but that interest doesn't convert. Sales is a hard game, but you always have to be ready. You always have to be ready for that big break. You always have to be ready for that moment because like in baseball, you're going to get that moment and you're going to get many of those moments. Um, you're not going to have the ball hit to you on every pitch, but you're going to have plenty of at-bats. And it's all a matter of what you do when you're up at the plate, what you do when you have that real opportunity. Absolutely. Um, so explain to our listeners the concept of perceived power and how that can be applied in their jobs and sales? It's a good question, Steve. So what often happens is in a negotiation, and I use the word negotiation liberally, but in a negotiation, there will be two parties or more. And one of the parties can be looking around the room and their perception might be that the other party or the other parties hold all the chips. They hold all the power. Give you an example. Uh, I tell this story a lot. I wrote an article about it. I want to say in Inc. Magazine. I um, had a college student reach out to me and he said, I'm about to graduate from college and uh, I want to, you know, get your advice. Let's, can, can, we, can we meet up? So we went out for coffee back in the days when you were allowed to meet people face to face. So we went out for coffee and his, it was very clear in that encounter that his feeling was, I am a lowly college student. You are a seasoned entrepreneur, business leader. You know, you're this kind of, you're this great man and I am this lowly, nothing, nobody, um, you know, thank you, thank you, thank you just for being in the same um, room as me, that, for allowing me to breathe your air. And, you know, my, my view is every one of us, and, and the truth is, you know, we all have been in situations where there are people who, you know, we go sit across the table from and we have that feeling, right? Think about it. You could be across the table from Bill Gates and you say, man, I'm, I'm a nobody compared to Bill Gates. How could I breathe the same air as Bill Gates? And the reality is that no matter who you are, no matter what you've done in your life, no matter what experience you have, you have something to bring to the table. You have something to offer. You have something that you can contribute of value. And I think all too often, salespeople in particular, will walk into a meeting with a feeling that the person who they're prospecting, the person who they're selling to, 
is the one who holds the cards, is the one who has the power, because that's the person who they're trying to get the business from. You have to really think about it. What power do I have? What is my leverage here? What do I have that the other party wants? You know, going back to the case of the college student, I tried to explain this to him. I tried to explain to him, look, man, every one of us has something of value to offer to the person sitting next to us. I'm sure you have something of value that you could offer me. We just have to figure out what that is. And as it turned out, um, I was looking for some interns and he had a good buddy who was looking for an internship. And that guy wound up becoming an intern for us and became one of my favorite interns. So the reality is that it's all a matter of walking in with the perspective that you have something to offer. You have something to provide. You have some value to give. And even if you're walking in with the intention of trying to sell the person across the room, whatever product or service that you're trying to push, rather than going in feeling like you're begging for a sale, go in feeling like you have some value that you can offer. And how do you do that? I mean, we can spend all day and all night talking about that, but a big part of it comes down to listening. A big part of it comes down to asking the right questions, not making assumptions, being open-minded. So Steve, this is a topic I talk a lot about within the context of leadership, within the context of sales. So I think it's something that is really important for all listeners to really understand. Yeah, I think this is such an important concept. It's so important to approach a customer or a prospect as an equal. Um, you know, you got to know your leverage. You got to you got to know the value that you're bringing to offer. And a lot of times, you know, because you speak to the same type of people in the same type of industries all the time, you you actually have expertise and knowledge that you can that you can bring to the the table in in lots of strange ways. Not just about your product or your service, but also about their business because you've talked to fifty people that have similar businesses. So if you're asking the right questions the whole time, listening to the answers, and kind of becoming an expert in your customer, not just your product, you 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 can you it makes it easier to approach them as an equal. I, I really cool concept. Uh, that's awesome, Adam. Um, so in your podcast, you know, to, to focus on that leadership that you, that you kind of brought up there at the end, in your podcast, you interview a variety of leaders, right, from all kinds of different backgrounds. Um, ba- based on your conversations with them, what are some character traits that were common amongst the successful leaders that you spoke with? What are some things that jump out at you? Yeah, Steve, that's a great question. So my podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, I go one-on-one each week with one of the most successful people in the country, Fortune 500 CEOs, founders of household name companies, Hall of Fame athletes, four-star generals and admirals, household name celebrities. So these are people who have made it to the top in whatever endeavor they've pursued. And what I've found is the core principles of successful leadership are universal. It doesn't matter if you're leading a sports team or leading a technology company or leading a sales team. To lead effectively in today's landscape, you need to follow the same core guidelines. And we could talk about that. But when you really understand who these people are, I can tell you some commonalities. First and foremost, something that, a theme that's really emerged for me has been the importance of lifelong learning. And when I started 30 Minute Mentors, um, I really thought that the podcast would resonate very, very strongly with emerging leaders. So college students, MBAs, young professionals, salespeople early in their careers, maybe mid-career salespeople. But once I started releasing episodes and once I started talking to my guests off air, What I came to learn is that the content resonates with that audience, but a lot of my listeners are actually my guests themselves. They're the Fortune 500 CEOs. They're the people who invest in these companies. They're the people who sit on the boards of these companies. 
They're the retired generals and admirals. They're the people who are the most successful leaders. They're the people who are leading the sales teams. And the reason is the most successful leaders are lifelong learners. They're people who are not only open to learning, but dedicated to learning. Great leaders understand what they know, understand what they don't know, and are on a quest to continually improve. One way to improve is by, as we're talking about, throwing yourself into this lifelong learning pledge. Another way to continually improve and continually improve whatever organization you're leading is by acknowledging that you know what you know, you don't know what you don't know, and surrounding yourself with the right people. And to that point, something that I've really been struck by with all the great leaders who I've interviewed is this sense of self-awareness and a sense of humility. Um, in all of my interactions, I, I haven't had this feeling of I'm interviewing people who have made it to the top. And because they've made it to the top, there's a sense that I'm better than you. On the contrary, I have made it to the top and therefore I wanna help share my knowledge, share my experiences for the betterment of others. And everyone who I've interviewed has been so cool off the air and cool on the air. Um, so those are a couple of things. Clearly all of, all of America's top leaders, at least the hundreds and hundreds who I've had the fortune of interviewing are incredibly smart. Um, you can't dismiss that. They're creative, they're forward thinking, they're very team oriented. So the, everyone understands the importance of surrounding yourself with the right people. Uh, we can go on and on about this. Uh, something that we talked a little bit earlier about, which is a theme that I speak a lot about when I do speaking and we speak a lot about on my podcast, great leaders are great listeners. So it's important to take a step back and really hear what other people around you are saying. So you're not going to grow by talking. I know I'm talking a lot on this podcast, so I prefer listening, but I'm, that's okay. That's, that's the goal. The goal, the goal here is to get your thoughts. <laughs> but, uh, but in, in my company, uh, I do a lot of listening. I ask a lot of questions. I actually asked the uh, CEO of a public company, a very, very well-known company, the episode is going to air next month. How can anyone become a better leader? And one of the things he said is, you become a better leader by asking great questions, by asking those around you the right questions and listening. And I couldn't agree more. Yeah, it's always jumped out at me whenever I engage with with people who really know what they're doing with leadership, how selfless they are, and uh, I feel like uh, so many so many people I've run into are are servant leaders, and that's always what I'm trying to do. I try to think of myself as being, you know, at the bottom of the organization, not the top. Like I my I serve everyone, you know that that's the the philosophy that I try to take. And I think that really, if you kind of approach things from that mentality, I think it really it helps put things in perspective and helps you behave appropriately with people in, 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 in a way that, uh, that is really sustainable and builds, builds relationships and, 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 uh, and is great leadership. I, Steve, I couldn't agree with you more. And I can give you example after example, after example from the interview, the leaders who I've interviewed, I'll give you just one, which is I did an interview with general Ronald Hoover and uh, general Ronald Hoover retired three-star army general. And he was a senior advisor at the time to uh, President Bush. And while he was a senior White House advisor, um, he also was the Easter Bunny. So he was the mascot dressed up as the Easter Bunny. And you don't really think of a, a general who's also a White House advisor being the Easter Bunny, but it goes to show that those who are at the top are at the top for a reason. And one of those reasons is because they're in touch with themselves. They, I want to say, don't take themselves too seriously, but a big part of it is that they 
have a sense of humility. And, you know, I, the, the mascot could be the janitor or it could be the general. Yeah, that, that's that's fantastic. And it's good to have fun with it too, right? I think that's that's important. Is is leader great leaders know how to have fun with things and doing things like dressing up as Easter Bunny is fun. <laughs> I think it, you know, a part of it is also being able to laugh at yourself and and not take things not not taking things too seriously. Totally. Um, which you think of a general as a very serious guy, but it's hard to take anyone seriously if they're dressed up as the Easter Bunny, right? <laughs> It definitely allows you to connect and relate, which is essential to being a great leader. The, one of the core principles of effective leadership is understanding how to connect, understanding how to relate. To lead effectively in today's landscape, you're, you could doesn't matter if you're leading in the military or leading a sales team. You're not going to be an effective sales leader by yelling and screaming and saying, this is an order. This is a command. You know, the Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross, School of Sales, School of Leadership, School of Management. I don't buy into that, and neither does anyone who I've interviewed. So, America's greatest military leaders, who I've had the fortune of getting to know, have told me over and over again. One told me in the course of my career, I've never raised my voice. Another told me that in the course of my career, I can count on one hand the number of times someone told me this is an order. Another one told me that when people think of military leaders, they think of Jack Nicholson from A Few Good Men. And that is the opposite of what military leaders are about. So, and I can tell you as someone who's built different businesses and different industries, doesn't matter what and I'm saying this over and over again because I want to really impress the, the point to listeners because you could be selling any product, any service, any widget. You could be leading any sales team. And the reality is the same. You're not going to be able to motivate and inspire people by yelling at them and by forcing them to do things and by telling them this is an order, this is a command. You, you need to build people up. You need people to buy in. You need to win people over. You need to inspire people. You need to explain to people why the work they're doing is important, why it matters. You need to have people really feel motivated to do what they want to do because they want to do it, not because they're being yelled at. So that's what it's all about here. And let's let's uh, let's talk a little bit about where the world's at today. How how has organizational leadership changed as sales organizations have been forced to do parts or all of their job remotely in in this uh, time of quarantine that we're in here? And 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 what can people learn from these changes that we've experienced going forward? Yeah. So. I think the big thing is that it's really reinforced the importance of doing things right. So I don't really know how much we need to do now um, that's different from a leadership perspective than we needed to do before, as much as we need to do what we were doing before properly, or we're going to get left behind. And there's no better example of that than communicating effectively. Before the pandemic, I would have told you that one of the most important things any leader has to do is communicate as effectively as possible. And during the pandemic, I will tell you, one of the most important things that any leader has to do to succeed is communicate as effectively as possible. Now, the modes of communication have changed. So that isn't to say that leaders need to follow the same tactics and follow the same you know, exact playbook as they did uh, a year ago, as they do today. But the core principles are what they are. 
just talking about communication. Leaders need to be as communicative as possible. So we can't meet face-to-face. -face. We can't meet in large groups. Um, all right, swap that out. But you still need to be as effectively communicating as you can. Leverage all tools you have at your disposal, whether they're old school tools like your telephone or whether it's you know doing this, Zoom, Skype, Slack, uh, all other kinds of apps that we can leverage. The key is that leaders need to step up and be there for everyone in their organization, especially now because people are going through different emotions. People are going through different experiences. And your job as a leader is to make sure that everyone in your organization is there with you and operating as powerfully as possible. So ne next section of the show, we're gonna talk about sales in 60 seconds. Uh, quick questions, quick answers. That's and, tough, Steve, I don't know, man. <laughs> uh, that's how we structure it this way, to make it hard, you know? Steve, I had, I had a Bill Walton on my podcast and uh, we had, it was an unbelievable episode, a ton of fun. And uh, if anyone's interested in listening to that episode, I'll just warn you, that one went longer than 30 minutes, even though it's 30 minute mentors. I had to break the format for Bill Walton, but I was running low on time at the end. And I told Bill, I said, Bill, we're gonna have to do something that I know is a little bit outside of your wheelhouse. And I'm gonna move into rapid fire format. And um, his rapid fire format would be the equivalent of uh, kind of a normal Q&A. So I'll do my best to keep it rapid fire, Steve. But I'm kind of like the wall. I, I like to uh, express my thoughts. <laughs> hey, you know, we're in no hurry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so you mentioned you're a really big baseball fan. Do you think there's a correlation between successful athletes and successful leaders? How are they, how are they, how are they similar? Yes. How's that for the, for the 60 seconds? Perfect. All right, moving on. No, <laughs> tell us about how. Wow. I don't know if I could do this one in 60, but uh, <laughs> yes, absolutely. But I mean, I spoke about Bill Walton. I had David Robinson on my podcast. I had Rick Barry on my podcast. Just had Mark Teixeira on the podcast. Um, I've had some NFL guys at Terrell Davis. So I've, I've spoken to the greatest players across baseball, basketball, football. And what I can tell you is to make it to the top in anything you do, it doesn't matter if you're playing a sport. I've had tons of Olympic gold medalists in my interview series in Thrive and I've had a number on my podcast. Uh, Ryan Murphy, one of the best swimmers in the world. Um, so the, what are some of those things? Number one is, um, having a winning mindset, having a, an attitude that you're going to win. You're going to win on a daily basis. A question I love asking my guests is how can anyone develop a winning mindset? And to give you that answer, we'll break past 60 seconds, but just understanding the importance of having a daily, daily routine um, and having a, a winning mindset. Steve, I, I don't want to be disrespectful of your 60 second format. No. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> yes. I'll talk about this stuff uh, at length. And the answer is that to be a successful athlete, to be a successful CEO, to be a successful salesperson, the core principles are the same. This is what I, I've written about, I speak about, and um, I believe in very strongly. Yeah, I've always noticed that successful athletes and successful leaders, they practice things, they have excellent focus, they can maintain laser focus in a way that I feel like a lot of people fail to do. And they, 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 they can sacrifice now for victory in the future. They're good at the marshmallow test, you know, where you, where you, where you don't eat the marshmallow now and that way you get two marshmallows in like 15 minutes. If you're like a little kid, you give them the marshmallow test. That's a great predictor of future success. I think athletes and, and leaders in general are good at sacrificing in the present so that they can win later. 
Steve, that's a great point. And kind of to what I, I mentioned, I don't want to say I spoke about, I touched on, having a winning daily routine. So a question that I'll ask a number of guests who I have on is, what is your daily routine? Or what was your daily routine when you were running a Fortune 500 company? Or what was your daily routine when you were playing first base for the Yankees? And understanding the similarities between the daily routines of the most successful people, to your point, Steve, really helps you appreciate the similarities between successful people across disciplines. What would you say some strategic mistakes are that salespeople make? Ooh, this is a good one. Um, very, very big mistake is something, a mistake that, that I've made for the last 45 minutes or 35 minutes or however long, which is they talk too much. Salespeople, yeah. you, you, you don't want to talk. I will... Um, I don't think this is necessarily a rule you want to implement, but it should at least be something that you should be mindful of, which is thinking about the clock and what percentage of the clock am I speaking and what percentage of the clock is my prospect speaking. And if you are speaking the majority of the time, that is not good. Now, if a lot of it is personality dependent. Steve, you and I were talking uh, off air about uh, podcasts and interviewing guests and some guests being more chatty than others. And it's no different in the world of sales. Sometimes you're sitting across a prospect and they could be very closed off and not say much. Uh, you could be sitting across a prospect who wants to talk about their wife and their kids and their grandkids and their golf game and this and that and the other, but very few prospects really want to spend an hour listening to you talk, unless you're unless you're keep providing them some kind of masterclass of value add. So that is a, a big one. Um, a second one I'll I'll throw in, which relates, is not doing enough active listening. You. Salespeople should really take advantage of the time that they have with their prospects to call as much valuable information as possible and actively listen. So your job as a salesperson is to not talk, but to listen. Don't try to show the person how smart you are. Don't try to show the person how, how impressive your product is. Build rapport, build a relationship. And those are two big pitfalls that they kind of touched on the third one. You're getting me rolling, Steve. This is why I can't keep answers to 60 seconds. This is why it's okay. the first principle of talking to you. <laughs> the third one is that, and this kind of connects to the, the listening and, and you know, not listening and talking too much is a, a huge strategic mistake that salespeople make is they assume that their prospects, well, I'm just gonna leave it there. They assume, they walk in making assumptions. They assume that their prospect has this need, has this pain point, wants this, can benefit in this way. Can, and they'll predicate an entire presentation, an entire pitch, and an entire conversation around certain assumptions. And I think it's extremely important to not rely on, on assumptions. Assumptions are useful, but they should not be relied upon. The, the best thing to do is to actually ask questions, listen, and then operate once you truly understand what your prospect wants. And what are some of the most important lessons that salespeople learn from losing a sale, do you think? Yeah, um, great question, Steve. On my podcast, one of the things we talk a lot about is failure. And failure is 
a gateway to success if you can, number one, accept that, if you can accept that mindset, if you can accept the mentality that failure is an integral part of the game. And number two, if you can learn from the failures that you have. When you work in sales, and, and all of us are working in sales in some capacity, if you're not selling, you're, what, what are you doing? What game are you in? I mean, come on. Um, so we're all, even if you're not, I know a lot of listeners of this podcast are salespeople. They're either direct salespeople or maybe sales managers, sales leaders, but even people, maybe listeners who don't have sale, the word sales on their business card, we're all, we're all selling in some way. Even a software developer who's sitting in the back office and isn't really, you know, he's selling his ideas. We all have to be responsible for selling something. And when you understand that in life, we're constantly failing. The only people in life who don't fail are people who don't try. If you're too afraid to fail, then you're never going to be successful. A mentor of mine, the former mayor of Los Angeles, Richard Reardon, uh, had a great line, which is, only a mediocre person never makes a mistake. And the reality is that if you're too afraid to fail, you're never going to put yourself out there and be able to enjoy any kind of win, any kind of meaningful win. So when you lose a sale, when you lose a big sale, there are a few things you can take away from it. Number one is remember, losing is part of the game. We all win some, we all lose some. No one has a perfect batting average. The best players in baseball only get on base, yeah, best four times out of 10. So don't, you know, don't beat yourself up over it. Um, Number two, learn from it. Take a step back and understand why you lost, what went wrong. Did you spend too much time on it unnecessarily? Were you, were you um, privy to one of the pitfalls that we were talking about earlier? Maybe what happened was you spent all this time and it wasn't the right prospect. You were talking to the wrong audience. So I think it's important to view failing and view losing as as good a learning experience as any. And that's how I would approach it. And that's how I'd encourage anyone listening to this podcast to approach it as well. And tell me, what, why do you think customer service is a great sales strategy, if not the best sales strategy? It's the best sales strategy, Steve. You can't run a business successfully without being customer-centric. I can tell you as an entrepreneur, as a CEO, as a leader, I preach customer centricity day in and day out. This is what I believe in deeply with each and every one of my businesses. And we can go on and on well beyond our 60 seconds. But very, very simply, it comes down to math. The cost of acquiring a new customer far exceeds the cost of retaining an existing customer. So if you can provide winning customer service, not only will you have a customer there for you to make that next purchase far more cost-effectively than going out and bringing in a new customer, but that customer then serves as a great referral source. That customer becomes your brand ambassador. So winning over existing customers is easier, it's cheaper, it's smarter, it's something that every entrepreneur, every CEO, every person in business should be laser focused on. And referrals. I mean, 75% of the business Badger does is because when we track it back, it's because someone who's already happy with us told them about it. Um, we, we've it's it's a very inexpensive way to acquire new customers if you, if people are just 
talking about how you help them to other people like them. I mean, that's, that's how that's been a key pillar. I would say the key pillar of our marketing strategy has been customer service. Um, and, and just, you know, having happy customers. And, and Steve, to your point, yeah, even if they're not making direct referrals, the indirect referral, writing a good Yelp review, mm-hmm. writing good reviews online, um, bring new business to you. So for one of my companies, Beverly Hills Chairs, we're the leading sellers in the country of refurbished brand name office chairs. We sell the Herman Miller Aeron chair, which is the number one selling office chair in America. It normally sells for $1,400 brand new. We sell it for about half off. And yes, we do have a lot of customers who come in through direct referral, but What's even more important is we have customers who go online, they see our Yelp, they see all the reviews online, and they say, well, if all these customers are happy with the product, with the service, with this, with that, with the value, you know, it's, why not? Absolutely. Well, if you I always like actionable takeaways. If you could think of a, what, an actionable takeaway here, what should salespeople listening today do as a very first step towards being a better leader in sales? A great question, Steve. I'm going to tie it back to something we spoke about earlier when you asked me about the common traits of the leaders who I've interviewed. And the first thing you can do is Dedicate yourself in some way to learning. Each and every one of us learns effectively in different ways. For you, it might be picking up a book. It might be following someone on social media who's an expert. It might be reading a blog. It might be subscribing to a podcast. It might be listening to more of Steve's episodes. It might be subscribing to my podcast. It might be doing what I do, which is calling the most successful people that you have access to and asking them questions and learning from them. We all learn in different ways, but the most important thing is to dedicate yourself to learning, to dedicate yourself to improving, to dedicate yourself to continually growing and becoming a better version of yourself. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I'm going to try to summarize all this, all these great thoughts you've given us today. Um, First of all, uh, five T's to winning in sales are trust, tenacity, teamwork, touch, and timing. You want to build trust with prospects by being honest and truthful. And this is how you build credibility. Cold calling is a numbers game. So when you get to a person who is uh, willing to talk to you, you've got to be ready for them. You've got to be on your toes. Shift your mindset of perceived power by walking into a meeting with a prospective customer with the mindset that you have something wonderful to offer. Um, Take the time to listen to your prospects and understand what value you can bring to the table for that type of prospect. Adam highlights that the most successful leaders he's ever interviewed are lifelong learners. They have a great sense of self-awareness. They ask a lot of questions and they show a lot of humility. Leaders need to communicate effectively and communicate as much as possible. So um, in order to be successful while remote, leaders need to leverage more tools so that they can really communicate with people effectively who are also remote. In, in hard times, and such as the ones we find ourselves in economically uh, right now, you, uh, you need to show that you're there for everyone in your organization to be a great leader. Also, as a salesperson, be careful not to over-talk. Instead, focus on actively listening. And, and don't assume anything so that 
you can focus on providing the most value to the actual situation that you find yourself in. Finally, don't be afraid to fail because in any role, we all need to fail sometimes to, to be able to, to be able to know and learn so that we can win and, and, and therefore, and, and also enjoy the, those meaningful wins. So, um, you know, if you, uh, someone recently told me, if you don't, the, the likes turtles, because, um, you got to stick your neck out to, to get anything, to get anywhere. If you're a, a turtle, you know, you got to put your head out of your shell. And, um, so you can't be afraid to fail. Um, Liz has been just absolutely fantastic, Adam. Uh, where can our listeners read more about your work? How can they reach out to you? What, how can they get to know you better? Thanks again, Steve. Really appreciate it. A really true pleasure. And, um, I feel like you summarized everything I said in, uh, you know, you were able to keep to that 60 minutes. I'm, I'm envious, man. Wow. Was, I'm, I, I practice. That was a master class. Um, try to make it really easy. It's just my name, Adam Mendler. So you can go to adammendler.com. You can find me on social media at Adam Mendler, at Adam Mendler on Twitter, at Adam Mendler on Instagram. My podcast, 30 Minute Mentors, is available on all podcasting apps. So whatever app you're listening to this great podcast on, you can just type out 30 minute mentors. It's also available at 30 minute mentors, which is all spelled out the word 30 minute mentors.com. And uh, Steve, thank you again. And really thank you to everyone listening into this podcast. Uh, firstly, for listening to this podcast. Secondly, for listening to me and putting up with my talking and trust me if you listen to 30 minute mentors it's 95 percent if that maybe maybe you're 98 percent of me listening i ask questions and try to get out of the way but uh because when given the guests who i have on you want to listen to adam mendler or do you want to listen to david robinson or do you want to listen to fortune 500 ceos i don't know i'd rather listen than listen to me um but, but thank you just for the work that you do. Sales is not easy. Sales is tough. And anyone who is working in this field is someone who I personally admire. I admire you for the five T's that we talked about for being able to develop trust, for having the tenacity, being able to go at it, to grind. This is not easy uh, for you know, being, being honorable people, we can kind of take root. So thank you guys. And Steve, thanks again for having me on. Absolutely. Adam, I, I really appreciate you coming. This has been an absolutely great episode of the outside sales talk. If you work in field sales, uh, Badger Maps might be helpful to you. The number one route planner helps you sell 20% more and drive 20% less. And you can get a free trial of it at badgermapping.com. If anyone can think of any sales reps out there that would benefit from learning what Adam's taught us about leadership today, share the love and, and forward this on to them. Um, it, please leave a rating of the podcast. If you find these helpful, it really does help spread the word and take care until next time, everybody. Bye.